The John Morris Show, episode 154. The John Morris Show. Your life on code. Ladies and gentlemen, John Morris. Hey everybody, welcome back to The John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. This episode has web design become a low-priced commodity, and I'm talking about this today because it was brought up by a listener as a question they asked. They sent me this article we're going to kind of go through today. And so I kind of wanted to talk about this because I think that this is one of the first big traps that people tend to fall into is positioning and marketing themselves as a commodity and then kind of wondering why they're why they're stuck in that trap and why they can only get low price projects. Now, I actually think it's just fine to play there if, if that's where you want to stay and, and you're more comfortable with with that sort of role, but a lot of people aren't and simply don't know how to escape it. And so uh, I want to show you, I want to go through this article that talks about it and then uh, go through some things that, that I think are important for, for doing this. And just quick as, as an analogy here, you know, uh, Home Depot sells 50 pound bags of sand for $3 a piece all day long and makes money doing it. So when I say you can play in that area, you can absolutely play in that area. At the same time, there's people that deal in gold, which goes for about $1,000 an ounce or more. And they, of course, make the money that they make doing it. And they're just fine too. So you can play in either, in my opinion. But for those of you that want out, you want to be able to charge more. You want people to get more, be able to get more for your services. You can do that, but in my opinion, there's some rules you have to follow to do that. Now, we'll see if if I'm out of my mind on all of that because joining me today, special guest appearance is Michael Phoenix, who happens to be in the house in the hood, and he's gonna we're gonna be going through this together. So he's gonna be calling me on all my crazy BS. And I'll be calling him a hippie for the next 30 to 40 minutes. So with that said, let's go ahead and get into this article. Actually, first, go ahead and say hi, Mike. Hey, how's it going today? It's uh, good to be here on this show. I'm always open to the topic of web design and web development, specifically around making money with it. So I don't know if you can you can do this or not. I don't know how, but in whatever way you can, uh, maybe tell everybody what you've been up to. Lately. Sure. Yeah. So I, wor- I work for a company that uh, primarily deals with retail space location analytics. And in simple terms, that means location, location, location. What is the best location to put it? Our, my company developed a software system to do basically heat maps for where to put that. And then from there, we do what's called in- uh, integrated workplace management systems. So we build. Sounds fancy. Yeah. It is. is build systems a, on on how to manage. Is that a PHP estate. function? No, this this is <laughs> Java, Python, R, all that good stuff. <laughs> oh, okay. So. All right. So you you write Java for a living then? Uh no, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, that's. Oh, I'm sorry. What's that word? What was that? The code grunts do that. Is that what that is? <laughs> that's. Oh, okay. That's one way I like to. So I'm just it. a code grunt now. Yes, all right. Yes, you are. <laughs> all right. So. With your experience, you've worked with a lot of big name clients, and you do some really high end uh, consulting 
with the company that that you work for. Yeah. So I think I hope I hope you brought your A game and have some good insights for how to go from five dollars an hour for a, a a PHP script to you know six figures and more for for the kind of thing that you do. So that said, let, let's I want to get back to first off how this all started up. So Richard uh, sent me essentially sent me this question and sent me this article. And the name of the article, it's by John Tabita. It's over on SitePoint, and it's Five Steps to Escaping the Commoditization Trap. And I'll link to this in the show notes page for the episode. So it'll be in the description and stuff so you can see the URL. But in the article, he makes the case that web design, in a lot of cases, has become a bit of a commodity. And so Richard sent me the article and asked, he first off asked, is this true? And then he asks, well, why not embrace being a commodity? Commodities are valuable. Isn't that what we want to be is valuable is that we want to provide value. And so I will kind of want to address that first and then get into the article. So for me, and you can jump in when you feel, feel the need, feel froggy over there (laughs) is, uh, when you, if you think of commodities in terms of gold and silver, that's kind of what I brought up before. If you think of commodities in terms of gold and silver, then absolutely. I mean, gold's like a thousand dollars an ounce or more. Silver's twenty dollars an ounce. So when you think of those commodities, then yes, those are really highly valuable. But those are also rare among commodities. And so the analogy I brought up before is. You you can buy a 50-pound bag of sand at Home Depot for, for about $3. And by the way, that's not just for the sand. You also get the bag with it, which adds to the cost. But if you just if you just do the math on that, it's something like half a penny per ounce. Right? So not all commodities are created equal. So when you say, well, don't why not embrace being a commodity? Don't we want to, you know, commodities are... Not all commodities are valuable. Right? In fact, I would say... In my <laughs> clear, completely illogical, non-supported hunch, most commodities probably aren't anywhere close to as valuable as, say, gold and silver. Right. And so what I think we're talking about here is two things. One, either being the Home Depot and playing in the, the sand arena and understanding the rules, playing by the rules, and maximizing the profit out of it that you can. Or learning how to become the gold and silver of web design and web development. Yeah, I think I would tend to, tend to agree with that kind of framing of the situation. I mean, the, the way I look at it is uh, in in programming, you know, we we talk about reusability, and that goes all the way through it, like to the to the point of a clone site. In in simple terms, a clone site is something that you can have templated. You can pop it up in a matter of minutes for, mm-hmm. for in some cases. And in that sense, yeah, it really kind of is a commodity because it's not a lot of forethought and, and thinking through that you have to put into right. the process. And, and by the way, people will do that. I <laughs> yeah. I sold clone after clone. I had built some sites for some big name people and I got all these people asking me, hey, I just want it to look like so-and-so's site. I just want to change out my logo and some of the colors yeah. and maybe add like this one thing. Right. And I sold... You know, I sold those over and over and over again, and I would sell them for three thousand dollars a pop, and it might take me four or five hours to actually build them. 
right, right. because I had it all templated out. So depending on what you have, you can absolutely do that. Now, the truth is in most cases, a template like that, if it's not based off of some really well-known blogger or celebrity out there, like the ones that I happen to be doing were, you know, you might be able to squeeze a few hundred dollars, maybe even a thousand dollars out of something like that. I see local ones around here that'll do basic, basic templated sites for like a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars. That's pretty much standard to what I've seen as well. Yeah. So I guess I think about it two different ways as kind of along the lines you do in terms of being able to reproduce something again and again, again, in short amount of time. To me, I, I would look at that as a commodity. However, when I'm dealing with someone who is more in the, they're talking to me about more about strategy, how to align what they're doing with their site and what kind of architecture best aligns to that strategy they have for their business. To me, I, I differentiate clone sites from that in the sense mm-hmm. that they're now wanting a higher level skill set and view of things that requires uh, a much broader grasp of the whole scenario. And I, I wouldn't put that in the, the term commodity itself. See now, see, now this is perfect because you are you don't know it, but you're setting me up perfectly. You're like, <laughs> you're like you've hung a meatball out over the plate for, right. for what I want to talk about. So this is good. All right. So I want to I want to like switch gears for just a second because I do want to talk a little bit about what this article is saying and particularly what it's saying in terms of the case it's making for why web design has become a commodity. So kind of the three arguments he has here is the first is too much supply. And the way he puts it is, you know, the barrier to entry is really low. And anyone with a computer can download a few pieces of software, oftentimes it's free software. And they can learn a few things and and get into web design. You don't have to buy a $50,000 building that you have to set up. You don't have to go get a master's degree to do it. You don't have to go through some bar exam or some certification in order to do it, thank God. And so the the barrier to entry is really, really low. And there's a really, I would add to this, there's a really high value placed on it. Like it's all over the news and politics talking there's a whole day of code now i mean it's there's a lot of there's a high value placed on it and there's a low barrier to entry which means there's tons and tons of people that are getting into it and so it leads to you know you can't swing a stick without hitting a web developer Mm -hmm. right so that's the first argument the second is you add on top of that the all the do-it-to-yourself options like wordpress joomla drupal wix the grid all of the ghosts, whatever else is out there, all of the other things that are out there, now people don't even need to go to somebody. They can just mm-hmm. do it themselves, and there's actually some really good tools for doing that. Right. And then the third one is the perceived value is really low because of the way it's being pushed. You might have your eighth grader learning web design at school. Well, it's kind of hard to to fathom paying someone ten thousand dollars when you know, your eighth grader is learning this you think your eighth grader is learning the same thing mm-hmm. at uh at school so that's the case for why it started to become more of a commodity and then just one last little point if you want to jump in the point he makes that i think is the the best point of all of this is he says 
if you're going to break out of the commoditization trap, you need to differentiate differentiate yourself, which is true. Mm-hmm. You need to you need to look like gold or look like silver and not like sand. Right. But he says most of us try to do that by comparing ourselves to the lower end of the market. We try to explain to our clients how using his nephew Marvin will result in a badly coded non-compliant site. Unfortunately, that merely compounds the problem by emphasizing your technical skills, you're only making yourself more of a commodity. If there were a line from an mm-hmm. article that I could tattoo on your forehead that you would see every day, that would be the one. By emphasizing your technical skill, you are only making yourself more of a commodity. Uh-huh. And here's why, in my opinion. Because no matter how good you are, I promise you there are a hundred other people out there who are just as good or better, right? who've right. been doing it longer, yep. who know more. And can if, do it faster. And can do it fast. If that's how you're trying to set yourself apart, you will never get ahead. You'll never win. You'll never set yourself apart. Yeah, I agree. I will agree 100%. And I think, you know, if if that's what you want to do is focus on your technical skills and be able to plug into a situation where a client already knows the requirements that they need for the system, they just need a code grunt to be able to code it out, then, you know, if that's what you want to do, do that. However, the differentiator for me is uh, if is someone who understands the business requirement and the use case around why the business is doing what they're doing with their site. If you don't understand what those requirements are and the stra- the business side of the strategy behind it, then then all you really have is your technical skills that you can market and be able to plug into whatever system or process right. that they have. However, if you do have the ability to grasp or get the frame of the strategy from a business point of view, then you can start entering into other conversations around marketing, user experience, information design, architecture, all of that, that is just not available to you if, if all you're focusing on is your ability to code this thing. Yeah. So that to me, this is where you get to the point of if you're someone who, who just, you, all you care about is the code. Like you don't, you don't want to, you, you really, if you didn't, if you could just code and the money would come into your bank account, you'd be good. Like, you don't want to deal with clients. Like, you really don't. You don't want to have, uh, to be honest, I'm kind of this way. I, I'm not going to lie. But you don't want to deal with clients. You just don't want anything to do with that part of it. Then you have to, un- this is where I think Richard has a point. Embrace being a commodity. Right. Yeah. Because... You can still make five hundred to a thousand dollars website. That's nothing to sneeze at. Right. But understand, you're gonna have to do that five to ten times a month at least to to pay your bills to make some. And decent as long as money. you got a process that you can scale to what you want. Right. And you got to play by the rules. Which right. I have a set of rules that I want to go through at some point for both the low end, the high end, yep. and then you can. But you can play in that area. You just have to understand. To me, this whole thing is about self-awareness. Yep. You have to understand who you are, what area you're going to play in, and then what the rules are, and you have to stick to them like nothing else. Yep. Because especially if you're going to play as a commodity, 
Because if you allow yourself to get unwound even just a little bit, it can spiral yeah. on you. One of the, one of the coaches one I client work with, can tear you down. Yeah, one of the coaches I work with, he uses the moniker "Stay in your lane." Know your lane and stay in your lane. And as soon as you start to get out of your lane, that's when you start to undercut yourself. So as long as you know what your lane is, and you stay in it, you know your success is on you. Yeah. So for him, I'm going to go through these real quick. Uh, these are the five things that he talked about of breaking out of the colonization trap. I also have some examples that I think uh, help me think about it. But he says, figure out why you do what you do. His essential point is, is that people don't just care about what you do. They care why you do it. And it has to do with passion. And in my opinion, it really just comes down to people just know if you're passionate about, if you have a person who's really passionate about something and someone who's just doing it to pay the bills, you're probably going to get a better end result out of the person that's more passionate. Mm -hmm. And people, especially in the high end, this is, again, we're talking about going from the low end to the high end. People in the high end will pay more for that yep. because they want someone who cares as much about their project as they do. Yep. And they'll pay for it. Yep. The second thing is get a personality. So this has all everything to do with being unique. Right, you have to you have to to stand out in some way, right? It's all about standing out. Well, one of the easiest ways to stand out is to be you, because nobody else is you. Right. So you can't be afraid. And you, I'm, I'm. People, oh, I have a boring. I bet when you're at hanging out with your best friends and you've got you know three beers down, you're probably not a boring person. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you so you have a personality. It's just. You can't be afraid to, I mean, if you've paid attention to my email newsletter at all, if you're on my newsletter and you, I mean, I talk about any and everything I want to talk about. I'm sometimes rude. I, I am who I am in my email <laughs> newsletter. Yeah. And some people love it. Some people hate it. And they tell me. <laughs> and then I unsubscribe them and we both go on our way. Right. But you have to have that sort of personality, not only to attract the people that you resonate with, but also to repel the people that you don't. Yep. So you don't have to deal with them Yep. because it's not worth the time and the effort. Third is understand how your customer uh, defines value. So the way he puts it is some customers want solutions. Others just want products or services. Mm -hmm. And again, this is the difference between the high end and the commodity in a commodity they just want the product they just want the they just want it done mm -hmm. they don't care about the experience they just want it they want it done mm -hmm. versus someone who wants a quote unquote solution yep. that's like code word for i want you to baby and pamper me and mm -hmm. and tell me everything i want to hear and make my dreams sweet and yep. you know rainbows and butterflies <laughs> that's what that means yeah i have a smile on my face right now just cuz like in the space that I work in, you come up against that a lot. You know, a lot of the way that they sometimes phrase it is I'm relying on you to tell me how this should be done. Mm -hmm. Because in in a lot of cases, they have no idea how it really should be done. Like what is what is the best yeah. solution here for the situation? They don't know. And that's why they're hiring you. And that's why they're paying you a lot of money to be in that situation. It. Yeah. Matter of fact, that's exactly. He says the commodity buyer is only interested in the product service and not necessarily in hearing 
any advice or wisdom you've acquired over the years of working with similar clients. Relational buyers, on the other hand, tend to value the expertise you bring to mm-hmm. the table. Mm-hmm. And that's what, like I've said this quite a bit before, like people aren't, people, when people who are paying you well for what you do, they're not paying you for your time. Mm-hmm. They're not paying you for the hours that you put in. They may be paying you on an hourly basis, but nobody's paying you $100 an hour to type, you know, mm-hmm. curly brackets and question yeah. marks. Yeah. Right. They're paying you for all of the wisdom yep. and all of the, you know, the intuition and insight that goes into that hour. Yeah. Sitting in a meeting for eight hours where you type maybe, I don't know, 10 lines of notes. But the the majority of the time is spent in conversation. It's spent. That's what you're paying. They're spend. They're paying money for you to sit there and have a conversation around yeah. what their business is, what their business needs, and how to go from and then where they're at. Conversation right. and another one and, and another and meeting keeps, about the meeting yep. and then the meeting about the meeting about the meeting. But if you if you're good at having that conversation, <laughs> you like it, you enjoy it, and that's what you want to do. They're paying you for your ideas, your thoughts, your time and, and and creativity in the situation to be able to produce code eventually down the line that will be what they need it to be. Yeah. So if all that sounds like nails on a chalkboard to you, you're probably more in the commodity area, yeah. which is fine. Like I said, I'm probably more in that area. But if that all is like, yeah, I just really want to have a good relationship with my clients. I really want to give them like... Sounds weird to me, but some people are built that way. Mm-hmm. So again, it's about self-awareness. The fourth one is be an expert on the unique needs of your client. So again, you just have to realize that each client has unique needs based on their goals and objectives. So, you know, one client may want their website solely for branding purposes. Again, this is from the article um, because it's all about their existing reputation. The other may want it for the same reason, but just because they think they need it. They they need it. It's like yeah. a business card to them. Yeah. They've been told they need a website, so they, they built. Those two people, the guy who, or the gal who is building a website because they think they need to have it, and it's basically like a business card, they're not going to pay you $10,000 for a website. Nope. It is not going to happen. Because they can go to some right. Wix or Weebly or something like that and pop something up and right. be done. So if you want, the, if you want, to be able to build their website and get anything from them, it's going to be in the $500 to $1,000 range. And then you just need to know the rules right. about how you interact with that person. Mm-hmm. But the person who is building it, you know, because they have this brand that they really need to exemplify in in their website and it really needs to serve their customers. And we really want it to portray who we are as a company that's when you're going to be getting into the higher end mm-hmm. and it's a whole different set of rules. All right. So the last one he has on here is go local. Um, again, I think that's a good strategy because you can set yourself apart easier in a local context. Mm-hmm. Really? That's, that's not about setting yourself apart per se as a, as it is more about narrowing the context yeah. in which you're competing. Yeah. And you have a knowing, knowing your specific market. Yeah. You have a built in advantage being, able to meet with people face-to-face yep. and so forth. All right. So moving on from that, then one of the examples that when I first saw this that came up for me was uh, our dad and his t-shirt shop and comparing that to 
what you see now today with like Teespring and so mm-hmm. forth. And you know, with with what he did back in the day, he had state of the art graphic software. At one point, he had a you know trained, really good artist on staff who could mm-hmm. hand draw basically anything that you wanted. You know, he had a eight position screen printer. He mm-hmm. had like two heaters. He, I mean, he had all of the most advanced equipment and everything that you could think of, right? And then he would sit down with you when you came in and listen to what you said you wanted, get with the artist, come up with the design, go through it with you. You would okay it. They'd make up a sample. You look at it. You know, I mean, just all this back and forth mm-hmm. till eventually you got the finished product. And then if there were any issues, he'd go through it with you. You didn't have to come up with the design on your own. You just had to kind of tell them what you wanted and they would figure it out from there. You compare that with something like Teespring where you've got to have the, you got to come up with the idea on your own. If you want an image, you got to upload it or use what they have there. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's very limited. It's kind of crude. It's not Corel draw or Photoshop by any means. And so it's all on you to come up with it. And there's no person to talk to. It's all done digitally online, right? So one is the high-end service pampering catering that you're going to pay more for Mm -hmm. versus the one that's more of a commodity where it's all on you to figure it out, but you're not going to pay as much. Right. So... That's a to me what comes to mind when I think of an example of what we're talking about of of a commodity versus kind of the high end uh where you're gonna be making more and again, if you want to make that that journey out, you have to understand that you're gonna have to being good at coding isn't enough yep yep right? it, it's more than that and Something that should be reasserting, reassuring for you for the future, or maybe not, depending on how you look at it. Products and services in that commodity or in that low end, low value range have always been and will always be quote unquote commodities. Yeah. Always. Yep. Yep. Yet in every market, there is also a premium section that have never been. And will never be commodities. Yeah. The way that I talk, uh, that I contextualize that difference or that transition with clients when I'm talking to them is if I can build everything they want with out of the box standard stuff, that to me is a lower price. Whereas if I start getting into actual custom code that has to be rewritten in some way for what they need, then they start like that's when the price goes from. Sixty dollars an hour to one hundred and twenty dollars an hour, right? Because then there's there's a lot more conversation. I have to understand what they need. I have to develop a deeper relationship, which is all soft skills that is not necessarily something that you can directly market as this is what you'll get. But it's just part of the price that you quote them to say, hey, if you want this this way, it's going to require custom code. At which point my rate doubles in value. And to, oftentimes that's like, uh, okay, maybe I don't need that. Or yes, that's exactly what I want. I yeah. want that time. I want that interaction. I like, I want that. 
So, and that's a way for you to get to know your clients. And really what they need is to increase the value at those points where you're like, okay, this is starting to get a little bit more complex and out of the norm. Yeah. And the other, I think the other thing to keep it, I think a fool's game in all of this is trying to convince the $500 a website person to suddenly become a $5,000 website person. No. It's just not gonna not in the span of time that that you're gonna be talking to them. Maybe yeah. over a lifetime they might get there. Right. But that's the if you're if you're if your sales plan or your your getting clients plan or getting work plan is dependent on you convincing someone who wants to pay five hundred dollars to suddenly pay five thousand dollars, you're mm-hmm. gonna go broke quite yeah. fast. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the the thing to really pay attention to is because it's it's your reputation on the line. It's your um, you know, in terms of the reviews that you get back online, if somebody really wants a $500 site, they need it done in 2 weeks and you can do it. Trying to convince them to step outside of that is starting to play with your reputation and, and your delivery model. Whereas if you just deliver what they want and they write a five-star review, that is your reputation. Hey, this guy's quick. He knew exactly what I want. He got it done. Boom, bang. We were done. Questions out, out like it's over. Next time he needs something done, who's he going to come back to? You, probably 99% of the time. At which point, you know, then the conversation goes from there. And so it, it's it's about the depth of the value that each client brings, where in the same time that it's about the the specific need that they need in the moment. If it is a commodity type situation that they need, then go for it, do it if that's what mm-hmm. you want. Me, I f- I'm more in the space of developing relationships. Like I, I don't, I make it a point to say to the clients, if you focus on the styling and how your, your site looks from the colors and all of that, and you're pressing me to focus on that first, this probably isn't, I'm probably not who you want. My focus, I always make sure that I articulate to my clients that my focus is primarily and first in information architecture, understanding the concept and the idea that you're trying to deliver and how the business processes support that. And from there, it it always goes into a long-term arrangement where we have an ongoing relationship, sometimes over the course of years, but that's what I want. That's who, like, that's who I am in the market. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's months later before I even begin the conversation of styling their site. (laughs) That's not the first thing you do. (laughs) No, I want to, I want a car that goes before Pick your favorite color, question one. (laughs) Yeah, so through all of this now there's 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 a thread there's something we've been missing that we have we've kind of beat around the bush of but we haven't haven't hit directly Hmm. and that is that again the soft skills critical absolutely important and for high-end clients the experience that you're going to give them is critical beyond the code However, underneath of that all, you still have to be a talented programmer Mm -hmm. or a talented whatever it is you do, Mm -hmm. right? There's, I don't want it to be misconstrued that I'm saying that the code doesn't matter. I'm saying for the high end, it's not all that matters. Right. And there's a distinction there. And so you upping your skills 
and you getting to the place where you can deliver bigger and better, more advanced applications, that's a real part of the value that you can offer. It's just, you're also going to have to go beyond that. So again, when getting back to, to when we start talking about you and you upgrading yourself and, and getting better at this kind of stuff, getting good at the, the, the core skills and the, the being able to program and do the things that you got to do in order to deliver is absolutely critical. Now, if for you, PHP is the area that you play in, then one of the big mistakes that I made when I first started learning PHP was doing the, oh, got to find the free rope-a-dope thing. YouTube, some 12-year-old on YouTube or some written tutorial that actually was like seven years old and everything was outdated or tutorials are just flat out wrong. Yeah. That that the what they were teaching was not a good way of going about it. And it costs you tons and tons of time. And if you're someone who is currently working in a job that you hate, you know, working for some dingus mm-hmm. who doesn't know their butt from a hole in the ground (laughs) and you could do without your life. Like that time really matters. And so one thing you have to do is you have to look yourself in the mirror and you have to ask yourself, what is that time worth to me? What is that misery of having to go in day in and day out worth to me? Right. What is, is it really costing me nothing or more likely, is it literally sucking the soul out of me yeah. with every day that goes by? Because I know that's how I felt. Yep. So you, if you get trapped in that too long, the dream can die. The yep. vision of what your life could be could die. So I don't want that to happen for you. And that is why I strongly encourage you, and I say this all the time, if you want to learn a particular language or whatever, there's three there's three things that you should do. One of them, the the first one is to take an integrated program of instruction, meaning a course that's been specifically designed to teach you that p- specific thing, not a random of collection of tutorials from a bunch of different people, but someone who's actually put it together for you and who's worked in the industry and knows what they're doing. Yeah. And that's why I strongly encourage you to head on over to johnmorrisonline.com slash PHP and check out my PHP 101 course because that's exactly what it is. It's an integrated program of instruction. It's going to teach you starting from scratch, all the basics of PHP from basic syntax into more advanced things like sessions and cookies and files and creating folders, building a contact form all sorts of stuff in through module three into MySQL where you can learn how to build actual database driven applications. And I'm also going to show you object modeling and data modeling inside of that. So you know how to build a sound database structure. So if PHP is where you want to play, the skills are absolutely important. And I don't think it's, 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 cost-free for you to have the life sucked out of you trying to figure it out all on your own Mm -hmm. through all these random tutorials, you can pay a few bucks, 
and you can learn PHP in the most efficient manner from someone who does it every single day for their living. So again, I recommend johnmorrisonline.com slash PHP. That's my hard sell pitch for you. <laughs> I want to, I want to add on to the end of that in terms of the why behind what you, what you call the integrated learning mm-hmm. environment or whatever. And that's because someone who has been through the weeds of figuring it out and as well as the years of experience of working with clients there is a typical scenario that most situations and most use cases fall in and that typical scenario is what you'll need 95% of the time maybe more and you'll often you'll you'll very um you probably won't really that often deviate from that typical use case so the skills and the things that you'll learn in that type of integrated learning environment will give you everything that you need to start making money right now as long as you are able to produce code in the same frame of mind or the same idea of what's being presented you can go market your skills right now and in fact that's i mean if it's something that you're interested in doing is moving out of the life-sucking job that you're in and into you know creating your own life go get a course get this course and start marketing yourself out there right now to say, I'm making a commitment to myself to learn this stuff and integrate it in a way that I'm in charge of my life. I'm taking control of my life to create what I want. Because it, otherwise, it, you know, you could spend a year, two years trying to learn this stuff and going, uh, maybe I'll do it someday. Or you can go start with lesson one right now, learn that start marketing yourself. And if you get a client, guess what? You have more pressure and you're getting paid to learn what you need to learn to deliver. See, I'm going to have him do those from now on because that was way better than I've ever done. (laughs) All right. All right. So I want to move on to, I want to get into, again, talking about this, the, the practical or the commodity versus the more premium services. And I want to talk about some of the rules. And these are some things that I thought of when I was thinking about when you're playing in each one, the different kind of rules that you need to follow. So as we've talked about, if you're going to play in the commodity, the low end, right, you have to, the first thing you have to understand, in my opinion, is for the client, it's all about cost. So for you, it has to be all about efficiency. Again, you're not going to get the $500 client to give you $5,000 in the span of any reasonable amount of time. You have to learn how to efficiently deliver the $500 site and not like completely overwork yourself. So $500 might not seem like a lot, but if you get it done in two hours, that's $250 an hour. That's a pretty decent chunk of change. You could probably make a pretty decent living doing that. So for them, it's all about cost. For you, it's all about efficiency. So so for me, the, the rules look like this. One, no custom designs. Like you said, mm-hmm. you get a template. That's what you get. Yep. Sorry, but you get a template. Yep. If you want more than that, if you want some fancy custom design where I go to a graphics artist or I am one, and I, it's just it's not going to be 500 bucks. Yep. It cost me 500 bucks at a minimum just to get that done probably. Yeah. Right. So no custom designs. The only customizations they get are text, the logo, 
the images and the color, like yeah. the kind of the main color. Right. Right. The, beyond that, that's it. The, I'm not creating you some, some custom plugin. I'm not adding a page that has this special sort of form. Like it, it's a template. It's going to have an about page, a contact page i mean it's mm-hmm. gonna have some basic stuff i would even say add into that the complex configurations of plugins working together is outside of that that clone or that that template version like if you have to get a plugin here and a plugin there and a plugin here and configure it specifically for what they need that's getting into a custom setup of a site right even though it's not necessarily code itself you have to understand how all those plugins play together which is outside of a typical clone type setup yep agreed next one is they provide all the text and images yep. you're not going to source any of that you're not going to write their copy for them nope. they're going to they're going to give you all of the images they're going to tell you what where, where you want i mean think teespring yep you they're going to tell you where they want it you're just going to put it where they want it okay so they're going to provide all of that stuff to you you're not going to come up with any of that stuff for yourself you just don't have the time you got to get done, and uh, if you're charging five hundred dollars, you shouldn't. There's, it you can't go over five hours. Yeah, right. Just period. You can't. You there's no way that you can come anywhere close to making the kind of money you want to make for less than a hundred dollars an hour. Yeah. I know that sounds crazy, but you're gonna go absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. So they have to provide all that stuff. You need to limit it to five to seven pages and they need to know what those pages, they need to tell you what those pages are, right? So you're not coming up with all this stuff. They need to tell you. Now it's a little different when you're talking about say like a blog, like WordPress, because they're going to be able to create unlimited stuff. But oftentimes when you, even when you create something like that, they're going to say, well, I need, you know, the home page. I need the about page. I need the contact page with the form on it. You know, I need, I need these kind of different pages and then they're going to fill in the blog yeah. content or whatever. Yeah. The blog roll page. As yeah. That's kind of its own page, but right. they're going to, but you're not going to write, you're not going to write their blog post nope. for them. You're not going to put in the, you're not going to go in and copy and paste. If they have a WordPress export file that you can upload. Okay. But you're not going to go in and drop in all their content nope. in each, each post forum. None of you don't have time for any of that stuff. Again, if this is the area you're going to play in, these are the rules. Right. Okay. The next one is min- communication is minimal. Uh, basically, what's going to happen is they're going to tell you what you want. You're going to have a short huddle about it and you go, okay, this is what I'll do. This is what it's going to be. Basically, communicate what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. And you say, okay, you're going to go build it. And because of the way this is all set up, it should only take you a day or two. So you're going to come back when it's done. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Hey, I'm done. Here's here's what it looks like. Here's the link to look at it, whatever. They're going to look at it and they're going to get, that's the next rule, one revision. Yep. So they're not going to be able to go through multiple rounds of revisions. They're going to be say, hey, I want this, 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 and this changed. Yep. And even then, if it's like 100 things... I'll do these 10 and then that's yeah, it. I think that's extremely important. So it's huge. Like make sure that you have internal barriers and boundaries for that revision process. Cause yeah. you could be stuck in it. Cause forever. they will revision, they will revision you into a custom design if you yep. let them. <laughs> Absolutely. So one revision. And then the last thing, no, no additions. Hey, can you add this one thing? 
You, no, I can't. Or, yes, I can. It's $100 an hour. Right. And it's going to take me two hours. Yep. Like, exact, almost exactly like what you said before. Now, you may think that these sound harsh, but this is actually pretty much exactly how Fiverr runs. If you look at Fiverr, you have, yeah, it's $5 packages, but it's very strict and particular about what you get for five bucks. Mm-hmm. If you want multiple revisions, for example, or if you want them to come up with the some of the stuff, you want them to come up with the design or the whatever, those cost more. And... Fiverr, you know, there's not some big hubbub about Fiverr, you know, it all works pretty smooth. And it's because all of this is defined very clearly up front. Yep. Right. So, uh, it it actually can work really, really well if you know the rules and you play by them. Any thoughts to add to that? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, and the why behind that is the idea of scope creep. If you allow scope creep to happen, you're leaving money on the table. Yeah, you are leaving money on the table and insanity in your brain. Yes, right. So in the space that I work in, an extra six hours of work that we deliver something for free for one developer costs around three thousand dollars. You know, when you get into the high level stuff, a day of a developer doing something additional, we're leaving three thousand dollars on the table. That's a lot of money if we spend. A developer over here doing four hours, another developer over there doing two, or this one over here doing six. That's a lot of money on the table. And it also means they're not spending that money doing something otherwise inside of the original defined scope. And you're, pro- you're at that moment, you are then risking the timeline. And if you're not able to say, hey, if I do this extra, it's a risk to the timeline. Are you willing to accept that risk into this project yeah, and then they're going to come back and have a meeting about why you missed the timeline right exactly <laughs> which is always fun all right so those are the low end rules now for the high end rules those are they're basically the opposite <laughs> so with with the high end for the client it's all about value it's a, it's about what they're getting but it's about their experience of getting it it's about a valuable emotional experience mm-hmm. and so for you it's all about service and experience, about providing that experience. And, you know, these kinds of sites, I, I mean, they can run 5, 10, 15, I've seen $30,000 sites before. Mm-hmm. And the single reason that they're paying more, yes, it comes across in the form of, well, I want to add this custom thing here. Like it, it kind of, it sounds like it's about the code. But really what it's all about is they want to be pampered and catered to. Every little whim and wish that they have, they want you to fulfill. Yep. Okay. So you're like a genie in the bottle or genie out of the bottle, right? They want their thousand wishes granted. And that's fine because that's what they're paying you for. Mm -hmm. They're going to pay more for it. If they're paying $30,000 for a site, I mean, you may only have to do three or four sites a year. So you're going to be able to invest a lot of time doing that kind of stuff. So here it's all about going the extra mile, about really caring and being passionate because that's the only reason they're going to pay you that much more. So the rules here, the first one I think is the most important is communicate, 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 (laughs) and then communicate some more. Right. It's the number one complaint. It's the number one thing that developers don't do well, like disappearing developers is there could be volumes and volumes of books written about it 
<laughs> right? We could have a whole Harry Potter series on the disappearing developer <laughs> because that's what happens. <laughs> they just poof, they're gone. And then like three weeks later, poof, okay, I'm done with your stuff. Really? I already hired somebody else. I thought you yeah. were gone. Like, so it's, it's the number one thing in terms of the experience, how well you communicate is the number one thing. Next is to do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. This goes back to your kind of your timeline stuff, right? Things have to have to move on time. You have to do them when they have to be done when you say they're going to be done. I get that there's all sorts of reasons, but that has to be your focus Mm -hmm. is that we're meeting our deadlines because if you don't, it takes away from the experience that the client has. It's not a... It's not a high-end experience. It's like if you go to a steak place and you pay 47 some obnoxious amount, like $47 for a steak or whatever it is, and you ask for medium rare and it comes out and it's well done. It may be really good, high-quality steak, but it wasn't cooked the way you want it cooked. Right. right. Or maybe the steak is cooked right. But the server like disappears for like 15 minutes at a time and you can never get your drink refilled. And the steak was great, Mm -hmm. but the service was horrible. So it takes away from the experience. Yep. And if you want to give them that high-end experience, you have to hit all of this stuff. Yeah. I want to add into that because in in the space that I work in. The $47 steak thing came from you? Yeah, that. Oh, okay. (laughs) The steak was good, by the way. Uh, yes, just, but how was the service? It was great. Oh, okay. Quick, prompt, friendly, everything. Did he pour the wine for you? Yes, he did. Oh, okay. Um, but in the in the high end type of frame, where where a client has thirty thousand dollars to spend on a website, they likely have business situations going on elsewise that either depend on the site being done when you say it will be done, or they are the site is designed to increase increase their ability to pay for what it is that they're doing so there are real business needs outside of probably your view of what's going on that depend on you doing what you say you're going to do when you're going to do it and if you're not able to project out a a defined time and hit it that's one thing to get good at yeah. is being able to say, I can have this done at this time. It's not a matter of it, you, you thinking that you need to have it done in two weeks when it's really going to take four weeks. If you know it's going to take four weeks, tell them yeah, four weeks. Yeah, that goes weeks. back to number one. Give them that expectation. Communicate, communicate. Yeah. <laughs> like if they know that it's going to take four weeks, they can then plan for that four weeks. Right. But if you're trying to condense it down and deliver sooner outside of what you can actually do, you're setting yourself up for failure, but not only are you setting yourself up for failure, you're setting your client up for failure, which leads to dissatisfaction, frustration, When they and they probably won't do business with you again, and you yeah. won't get the review, you won't build your reputation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Even if you comment your code really well. Right. <laughs> so, uh, all right, I'm going to run through some of the these last, we're getting close to an hour here. I want to be respectful of your time. So, I want to run through these because these all kind of go together a little bit. So the next one is involve them in the process early and often. I mean, they they want to be pampered too, so start pampering right from day one. Uh, deal with them being a pain in the butt because they're going to be. They're high-maintenance, want-to-be-pampered type clients, so they're going to be a pain in the butt. 
So you deal with them being a pain in the butt with a big old grin on your face, right? Because they're paying you well to do so. And cash in the bank account. <laughs> right. So, uh, yes, you can help them source their images. Yes, you can help them come up with a copy within reason. Yes, they can add that one thing. Although I would say still be a little bit watchful of that. But yes, you can add that one thing. They get almost unlimited revisions, again, within reason. And all of this, like I said, you're happy to do all of it. And I mean that not in a snarky way. Mm -hmm. I mean that for real, being self-aware to know that when you hear all of that, you don't just immediately curl up into a ball and want to like cry like I do. <laughs> because if you absolutely can't stand to do any of that stuff, you're going to be more miserable than if you take on the $500 sites and do like 12 of them a month. Yeah. Right. If, if you're just, I love the code. I only care about the code. I don't want to deal with people. <laughs> You're really going to probably be in the commodity side. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean now, don't don't misunderstand. That doesn't mean you can't push your an envelope, right? That doesn't mean I was able to get a $3,000 a site clone, basically doing the commoditization, but it was about $3,000, right? But that's the high, high end of where you're going to get. Yep. And that was from some very special, specific situation. So that... You know, you can push that envelope by what you know, but you're never going to get into the $10,000 or $20,000 no. range without some serious soft skills and, and client mm -hmm. pampery, catery stuff mojo. You're just never going to get into that kind of thing without that. It's, it's just those clients don't exist. Yep. Yep. I think you should do a, another podcast on just the high-end client, how to transition for those who are interested in it, because there's a lot, like you just went through all that, but there's a lot there to take into consideration about if you're, if you're wanting to move into that and get better at it. I well, if I can get Mr. $47 steak to show up again, then maybe we'll get into it because like I said, I'm more on the other end. Right. Whereas you are deal more with the opposite high end type stuff. So I, uh, maybe we can get. Maybe I can buy you a twelve dollar steak, and maybe a make it a twenty three. Maybe steak a five dollar bottle of wine, <laughs> <laughs> and we can get you back on the show. But I want to be re respectful of people's time. We're rounding out about an hour here, so we'll go ahead and wrap it up there again. Thanks for Mr. Michael Phoenix for showing up, jumping on the podcast with us. If you like this episode, be sure to head on over to johnmorrisonline dot com slash iTunes and give the show a five-star review i'd really appreciate that uh also if you haven't subscribed yet you can head on over to johnmorrisonline.com slash itunes to subscribe on your apple device johnmorrisonline.com slash android to subscribe on your android device or johnmorrisonline.com slash soundcloud for apple android desktop laptop all of the above you can use soundcloud for that again johnmorrisonline.com slash soundcloud michael phoenix any last words uh check me out at michaelphoenix.me if you want the simplified version of what he just said for what i do all right and you can see his ugly mug over there too all right thanks for listening we'll talk to you next time